Hello, and welcome to the Odd Topic Podcast. Here, as always, are your hosts, Luke and Brett. Okay, roll the episode. On this show, we sometimes talk about creatures. Weird ones, in fact. Sometimes ones that may or may not exist, and sometimes ones that are complete fabrications outside of our reality completely. Take a look at some of our Cryptid Roundup episodes, for example. But what if we take a bit more of an introspective look at our own planet? The things that we know exist without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, we have some pretty strange animals and creatures in this world. Things that, if we didn't know any better, we would say are cryptids, monsters, or even aliens in their own right. I mean, have you seen squids and octopi? Tell me those aren't just aliens that live under the sea. They're aliens. They're 100% aliens. 100%. Some Odd Topic veterans may even remember one of our earlier episodes on the coelacanth. Now, of course, that episode isn't up anymore as, well, let's just say we were a bit more amateur at the time. But these are the things that I'm talking about. Speaking of the sea, the stuff down there in the deep, dark trenches are the things of nightmares. We've done an episode about things found in the deep ocean before, but not quite the creatures found down there, more so the strange hidden treasures and so on and so forth. This is of course something that we do want to cover in the future, it's worth its own episode because the discoveries are endless. But speaking of these discoveries, I did stumble upon a creature that actually does make its home down there, though maybe not in the way that you're expecting. Tell me more. Brett, I will. If I say snail made of lava, what do you think about I don't know, but it scares me. <laughs> well, maybe my nerd card is showing because I immediately think of the Pokemon Slugma or Macago. I don't know if you remember that one. I was going with some Pokemon type thing, but I don't know them well enough to be like, oh, yes, that thing. Makes me think of that Pokemon. So it's like literally the first evolution is like a slug that okay. is just basically a drip of lava. <laughs> nice. And the evolution is like a snail. So same thing with a hard shell. Okay. All right. I'm assuming a fire type. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I know something, okay? <laughs> now, while not as fantastical, maybe, there is a species of snail known as the scaly foot gastropod. Gastropod? Yeah, so the, all snails and slugs are of the family of gastropods. Okay, so basically gas bubbles. <laughs> I don't think that's the etymology <laughs> no. of it, but let's go with that. <laughs> I mean, gastro means stomach, so who even yeah. knows where that comes from? <laughs> so it has a few other names as well, such as the volcano snail or the sea pangolin. So maybe you can see where I'm going with this. Sea pangolin does not sound nearly as cool as volcano snail. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not, but pangolins, you know, are covered with that yeah, armor yeah, yeah. and whatnot. So these gastropods are endemic to the deep sea hydrothermal vents in the Indian Ocean. The shell of the snail is pitch black and their muscular foot is plated in what looks like hard long scales, almost like a suit of armor. That sounds so creepy. It really is cool. So the foot is also typically black in color as well, with a sort of reddish hue of their flesh poking out from underneath the scales. Okay, that makes it worse. So it looks like a hardened ball of lava, almost, oh, you know? Wow. Like, yeah. you know when you see volcanoes that are cooling down? And it has that, like, almost black top, yeah, tar on the top, the, like, and yes, and so little red lava coming through. pretty much it. like this, but a snail. Okay. It's very, very cool. There are a few color variants between these based on sort of where they're from. All right. There aren't a lot of hydrothermal vents in the ocean, right? No. So there's sort of maybe uh, two main and a couple of small clusters of them. 
And depending where in the world they are, all in, in the Indian Ocean, but close to where, they actually have a different coloration, which is very cool. Okay. Are we talking about different shades of black or are we talking? No, we're talking about cool... like almost white. Oh, wow. So what? we have like a black one. You have kind of more of a beigey, browny hue one. And then you have like a white ones, which are pretty cool as That's well. That's pretty cool. Okay. I do, I do like the black ones better. That sounds dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> the black ones almost have that like obsidian vibe to them. Yeah. And the contrast yeah. too, it makes it look like hardcore, you yeah. know? So I'm quite a fan of those. Now, I'm not just being colorful with my words here. When I say that the scales cover the snail like a suit of armor, because in essence, it is in fact just that. In fact, both the shell and the scales are made out of metal, Brett. What? Metal. Okay. How? Nature, dude. <laughs> they Nature are is metal. I know that. Made out of metal. In all fairness, my entire impression of this thing is that it has little scaly pieces of stone on it. Yeah, but it's not as metal. Wow. Okay, I guess, I mean, that makes sense because... Does it? Doesn't make sense to me. It, it makes sense in the aspect of if it's lava, the rock surrounding it yeah. will melt with the lava. So you need something hotter. Yes. Or sure. something, sorry, not hotter, something that can withstand heat better. That's what makes sense. The whole thing is absurd, but I mean, that, that little shining light of so <laughs> sanity. <laughs> so... It is metal, but it's like partly metal. Aww. It's not like I'm taking a sheet of iron and like super gluing it onto a snail. You disappoint okay. me. <laughs> but okay, well, the shell is made up of three layers, right? The outermost layer is a really strong, thick layer made from iron sulfides. So it does have okay, metal so, particles. Yeah, it has in iron it. in it. All right. And it uses that metal to sort of synthesize a natural protective layer on its shell. Okay. So, yes, in a way, it is made of metal. But it's not quite a thick sheet metal that you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, like dumped in like galvanized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the middle layer is then sort of typical snail shell substance called periostasum, similar to most snails. As I said, it's sort of your classic one you always crunch when you step on one by accident. Oh. Yeah. But luckily because of the iron hardy, you can crunch <laughs> yeah. these, dude. You're in pain, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and then the innermost layer is made from aragonite. And my... Knowledge of aragonite is that I use that as a substrate in my fish tank. Yeah. But it's it's actually a very natural formation of crystalline calcium carbonate. That's actually really interesting. So not only that, but the scales, right? The scales are made from iron mineralized sclerite. I think you're just making up words now. It sounds like that. Yeah. Using a lot of sciencey words, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, sclerite is not actually uncommon, and it's just the word used for a hardened outer sort of shell or structure in animals. Okay. Think of a lobster or a crab. Their bodies are sclerite. Sclerotized. Yeah, sclerotized. <laughs> so this sclerite in these snails, though, has, again, iron particles and metal particles in it. So there are also hard semi-metal structures on these snails. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and just for information, the sclerite is typically what you'll find in a fossil. When you find a fossilized trolobite or whatever creature you're finding, mm. it's the sclerite that you're picking up that has left an indentation in the rock. So basically everything else is basically just like Poof. degrades away, yeah. <laughs> disappears, and you have that little piece left. Cool. Okay. What is unusual about the sclerite though, besides the fact that it's made of metal, is that it's not usually found on snails. So already that's quite unique to have a snail that has a sclerite around its what's normally a squishy part of the body. Yeah. On top of that, it's iron mineralized. So crazy now the entire body of the snail is therefore literally made of iron basically at least somewhat you know again as i say it's not a piece of iron glued <laughs> to the snail um, but it's something naturally grown using iron as a compound 
in the growth of these scales to fortify its defense and its resistance to the heat because it gets hot on those hydrothermal yeah. vents. Basically, in my head, I just have a snail with a tank as its shell, like cruising yeah. around like <laughs> these hot water events. <laughs> you can like strap artillery to its back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how badass would it be though if you had others like lobsters and stuff like that and crayfish yeah. kind of with the same vibe shells? Yeah. And they like incorporate design elements from where they're from. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I suppose nature kind of does in a way. But anyway, so these are also the only known creatures in the world to incorporate metal into their bodies. Let that sink in, in the entire world. That's true. From all other crustaceans, invertebrates, mammals, reptiles, everything. These are the only things to use metal as a part or in such a way yeah. as a part of their physical bodies. That's insane. It's very, very I mean, unique. like, it's still very strange in where they live because that is also an environment that yeah. technically shouldn't be able to host life. So, yes, I mean, yeah. overcome, <laughs> adapt, evolve. Exactly. I mean, Metal, to, I guess. yeah. Imagine how many years of evolution it took to get to that point. Oh, that's like, imagine how many generations it had to go through and be like, oh, wait, that's what keeps <laughs> us alive. <laughs> we eat these things and absorb this into our body. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very cool. It really is. And I think is what made me think about this is how unique this is. Yeah. It is so out there. It's so not something you would expect. I've seen photos of the snail and I won't lie. It is a very, very striking thing to see. We do have to put these photos on Instagram. Definitely. We'll put these on our Instagram, uh, mine as well, when I get to it. Just just so that you can see the absurdities of it. But when you look at the snail, it's pitch black with this like blood red yeah. flesh coming through with these scales. It honestly looks like it crawled out of a volcano yes. and like walked down the hill. Well, slugged down the hill. It's like, yeah, crawls. Yeah. It, it's strange. And when you look at it, you're like, this, this should not exist. This, yeah. this isn't real. So these guys are officially classified as endangered, which sucks. But there are so few undersea hydrothermal vents or sort of undersea volcanoes, which you can kind of see why. Yeah. The population is already very, very low. However, they aren't yet listed as a protected species. What is its predator? I don't think much. Because not much goes around there. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, for something to exist in an environment that nothing much more can exist in means that there's nothing much more that can be its predator yeah. other than its surrounding look, alone. Look, there are a few things that do troll that area. Okay. Uh, I've seen some videos like a couple of eels and stuff around there. Uh, look, with those hydrothermal vents, the temperature right outside of the hydrothermalness is not that high. Yeah. It's only when you actually over the vent itself where it's basically boiling. True, fair enough. Sadly, some of the more common places to find them, like the Longqui vent field and the Solitaire vent field, are primary targets for deep sea mining. And we all know what mining does to the ecology around it. These regions fall under various jurisdictions of various countries, so it's sort of hard to gauge what's going to happen. But either way, the future doesn't look too good for these guys. Poor buggers. Protect the snails, man. Conservation of our ecosystem is important. We can only hope that they survive the future, but looking at how tough these metal-wielding snails are, <laughs> maybe they'll pull through. Who knows? I mean, at least you can't step on them. Yeah. <laughs> it's one thing they've got going for them. I suppose not. Uh, <laughs> What's going to be like a super sensitive crack <laughs> yeah. at the slightest. Like so brittle that they just snap. Yeah. Anyway. Brett, what strange creature did you find for us? Vampires, Luke. Ah, oh, again? Vampires. No, no, not the sparkly people from Twilight or the blood-sucking bats from early horror stories. <laughs> I'm talking about deer. What? Yeah, the antelope-related animal famous for snowy weather and Christmas stories. 
Vampire deer are a thing. Oh, wow. And they live in China. So, more accurately known as muskids, the musk deer and water deer possess large canine teeth which protrude downwards from their mouths, resembling a vampire. Now, I must be honest, I was slightly disappointed to find out that these animals are not carnivorous. Uh, like, what's the point then? Exactly. <laughs> I kind of had this idea of these like small, furry, flesh-eating deer living in China and Korea. With long flowing capes <laughs> and stalking you at night. I had so much hope for these, but they're strictly herbivores. And actually, they use their teeth more for a defense mechanism than anything else. Okay. They feed a lot of twigs and grass and special type of moss that grows on trees. So the canines are held loosely in the sockets in their upper jaw. And they use Loosely. their yeah. They use their facial muscles to actually move the teeth around, so they can move them back when they eat, and then move them forward when they're in like an aggressive situation. That is really cool. It's so cool. Let's not overlook that. That's the coolest thing I've ever yeah. heard of. They can use their bottom lip to actually like tighten the teeth in, or actually make them flex out a bit. Hmm. Yeah, I've seen like taxidermied versions of them angry. Yeah, and they're like super out to like each side. <laughs> It's crazy. That you think of like this deer. Weird. It's so weird. Are the teeth actually made out of normal teeth substances? The, the canines. Okay. Yeah. Like 100% these are their teeth. Now, as most of you know, we're from South Africa. And we're pretty well known for our antelope and buck species, especially those that possess large horns, such as kudu and chemspok and stuff like that. So if you're listening and rolling your eyes that we're surprised by a saber-toothed looking buck running around the rivers of Asia... Please remember what our reference is. Also, to make things even more extreme, the deer that is kind of bought out in mainstream, like the reindeer and white-tailed deer, we're still expecting these horned animals. In saying this, though, did you know that deer shed their antlers? I know that certain ones have that velvet on it. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. okay. But it looks a bit weird. Weird is an understatement. The process is utterly terrifying. After the rutting season, the deer shed their antlers to grow a new bigger set for the next season. And I was familiar with this. Like you, I know the fact that the antlers were kind of coated in this weird spongy velvet. What I wasn't familiar with was the fact that the velvet contained blood cells. Oh no. This means that once the antlers reach their full growth size, the velvet is shed and the deer look as if they've just massacred something. The sight of one of these massive deer with the look of bloodied flesh hanging from their antlers is terrifying that is horrific go and search photos i dare you it'll make rudolph the red-nosed reindeer look like something out of a stephen king novel i wonder if it's painful imagine like this horns popping out of your skin almost and then like, just kind of like falling away yeah it, it, I, I always thought i mean i mean i knew of this velvety substance and i knew that they did shed and it kind of looked but i looked at kind of a fresh shed i it must I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's got blood vessels. I don't know if there's nerve endings. Yeah. But it doesn't look healthy. I wonder why scientifically they have to cover the horns in these blood vessel things to keep them warm, to help them grow, provide them with nutrients. What's going on there? But I'm assuming provide it with nutrients. I guess. I, it's giving it what it needs to grow because each year the horns basically grow bigger than the previous year. I guess it makes sense if you look at human fingernails. You know those crazy people that grow them really long? Yes. But the nerve endings actually grow out as well. Yeah. And then they can't cut them short anymore because it's too painful because they're cutting their nerves. They're basically cutting their nails. Uh, yeah. That's creepy. I, it, it makes no sense, but it is freaky as anything. I guess you have to transport nutrients there somehow. Somehow. And you do it in this weird velvety substance <laughs> and when it kind of falls off, it looks 
terrifying and something out of a horror movie. <laughs> I actually, I did not expect you to go with deer for your, for your creepy animals. <laughs> but did you ever expect a vampire deer? No, no bleeding deer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we bring you. We bring you things you thought you knew in a completely different light. <laughs> okay, back to the walrus deer. So the water deer are actually pretty widespread around the Eastern Asian area. They're extremely endangered towards the northern part of Asia, but exist in larger numbers throughout China and Korea. They were once hunted for their musk gland, hence the name musk deer. And there exists a subspecies called the Siberian musk deer, which lives primarily in the tigers of Siberia. Kind of think back to our episode on the uh, isolated people and all that. Mm. Basically in Siberia, they're called forests tigers. The Siberian musk deer is smaller than the others, not by much, but there is a difference. And they almost have like a kangaroo looking face and then the thin teeth coming through. It's kind of a unique look. I mean, these deer, think about, they're between 7 and 14 kgs. And so they're quite small. They're tiny. They sound like they probably look really dopey. Yes. Actually, like not yeah. scary at all. No. <laughs> they're actually, I mean, they're pretty cute. So you can kind of imagine like running through a forest and seeing this cutie and like, ah, and all of a sudden these fangs come out. <laughs> Like, that must be pretty terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, the musk apparently fetches a pretty high price at about $45,000 per gram. Damn. Yeah, it's used in perfumes and other aromatics like that. I tried to search a bit more, but all kind of came up with stuff about Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the history uh, has kind of clearly shown us that through everything, the small and quiet will persevere. We've had long-toothed animals for centuries. I mean, think of the saber-toothed tigers and all of that. But there have all been these scary beasts or blood-sucking myths. Who knew that the one would remain in existence would be little musk deer? Yeah, little deer. Out of all the predators and the carnivores. <laughs> but we'll put this up on our Instagram as well with the snail because it's strange looking. Yeah. It never... I mean, doing research for this was actually pretty interesting because you kind of do find a lot of things that are out of the ordinary a lot of sea creatures came up yeah a lot of sea creatures that's what i was up. saying it's almost been its own episode it has to it has to be so its own much episode. stuff might just happen to end up being sort of a deep sea creature i didn't think it was was i thought it literally lived like on the rocky edge of a volcano yeah, when somewhere. i first saw it i thought it was like a, a, a terrestrial <laughs> animal but apparently not no so we'll put this up as i said and just go look at it because everything you have in your head about a little deer this is going to be opposite. It has, fang, and I'm not talking about a little tooth protruding from its lip. Mm. This thing has a fang that protrudes lower than its bottom jaw. It is quite a spectacle. And I would be freaked out if I saw it because I wouldn't actually quite know what is going on. The fact that they can move them is insane because they actually have control over them. A lot of these little deer don't have real antlers or anything on the top of their hands like horns. The teeth are what they use predominantly as a mating show, as a show of aggression or in their fighting so they are fantastic little creatures i just pulled up a picture of them now and i must say they look kind of ridiculous <laughs> it looks like it's swallowing something that has teeth yes it doesn't look like it belongs to the deer it's like giving a kid dentures and then laughing yeah. at them like your teeth are way too big for your body just you take see this off. and you're like this doesn't belong with this yeah. There, there are a ton of subspecies so the the um as i said earlier the moskids are almost like the animalia of it. So you have the Siberian deer, you have the, the musk deer, you have the water deer, 
they all are little subspecies. There's the tufted deer, which has a, a mohawk on top of all of this. Mm. It's like this black tuft of hair going over their head, which they look absurd. She looks kind of cool. I mean, absurd, cool. <laughs> they are like these weird enchanted creatures. Different slugs <laughs> for different frogs, you know what I'm saying? So go check out all the species. We'll put up a little thing on Instagram, um, but go check all of them out because they really are cool. And they're tiny. For the South Africans listening, we were talking about the size of like a blue darker or something like that. They are nothing compared to what we generally know. I mean, even the musk deer with its, or sorry, the Siberian deer with its like, kangaroo looking face when you look at them face on they actually look similar to what you would expect a warthog or a, yeah a, a wild boar or something because like the the teeth kind of protrude out sideways yeah and they like curve away yeah i just think of like gnawing on you yeah <laughs> strange <laughs> look when i did research as well as i'm sure you had the same situation there's no shortage of weird creatures oh no one google search of weird creatures will give you hundreds it is <laughs> Basically, we could fill this topic up for days and days with more and more different creatures. We oh, might do this again. Yeah, it's quite a quite a little short, fun episode. But it's, it's like it's like the same length as our cryptid episodes, except real, real. life versions, <laughs> <laughs> anti cryptids, if you want yeah. to call them that. <laughs> I suppose so. I actually, uh, strangely enough, in like in the search, and this was before I searched anything. I actually wanted to do slots. Okay, but then I was like, they're kind of mainstream. Yeah, everyone knows slots. They're the Bigfoot of existing animals. Like in, How so? in terms of cryptids, we don't talk about Bigfoot because everyone oh, knows about them. I see them. what you mean. Like, yeah. Unique, but everyone knows. Correct. About them. But they have so many cool things about them that I want to talk about, but I think they need to fall part of a, another episode. Yeah. Um, one cool fact about a sloth. Okay. They can only go to the bathroom as in like they can only disperse the feces yeah. once a week and it's as painful as childbirth. <laughs> Oh, no. Because it takes so long to digest. How big are these logs, man? It's not that they're big. It's the fact that they take so long to digest in their bodies that it loses all the liquids. Okay. So. And they don't get much water up there. They have to eat a lot of leaves. They're fantastic swimmers. Mm, I believe so. But they get all of their moisture from leaves. You're right. They are strange animals. I don't understand them. And anteaters. Have you seen those things? Those are weird. They're weird. What are they? Bears? With elongated faces and long tongues. Their tongue literally retracts behind their brain. And it has a weird ball on the end. Yes. Covered with backward sparks as yeah. well to like ensnare everything as it comes out. It's it's creepy. Animals are weird. And then you get the, the art fox <laughs> and the and the I guess it's the pangolins, they roll up into a little ball. Yeah. Like what is going on? Dude, animals and the are weird. Yes. The kidneys junk is the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Google that, everybody. Google <laughs> echidna's genitalia. It's something you don't want to see, so maybe don't. What are the other reptiles? I don't know how to say its name. The axol, the axilia, the axolia. Axolotl. Axolotl. Yeah. That one. It's weird. It's super cute, though. It is very cute, but one weird thing about it is its process of aging, yeah. like, it just stops. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine a caterpillar going into a cocoon. Mm. To then evolve as a butterfly. Yeah. The caterpillar goes into the cocoon for the cocoon to open to a bigger caterpillar. And that's where it ends. It goes through the same process. Yeah. It's the tadpole going to a frog, except the tadpole goes to a bigger tadpole. I actually, I wanted to keep some as a, as pets once. Yeah, they're apparently very um, famous as being pets. Yeah. The problem is we can't in South Africa. They won't let us. Really? Yeah. Same as our, hedgehogs. It is illegal to have a hedgehog in South Africa. It's on our banned species list, man. Why are you at us like this? SA, yeah. man. Very upsetting, very upsetting. But then again, you know, not everything needs to be kept as a pet, so... 
Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what other cool, crazy creatures do you guys know of? If you have anything cool, let us know. Something strange that maybe we haven't heard of. Maybe it's worth a podcast mention as well. I mean, in all fairness, the snail is not something that pops up in no. a lot of the searches. Definitely not. Yeah. I actually stumbled upon it the other day. I think it was on... It was on Reddit. I saw it as yeah, well. Yeah, it was. It. And that's what gave me the whole idea. Yeah. So I lucked out. You know, I didn't have to do some <laughs> Google searching. But, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We did, as always. And if you like it, you know what to do. Brett? <laughs> you can follow us on all major social media platforms uh, at Autopic Podcast. You can email us community at autopicpodcast.com if you have any kind of cool stories. As Luke said, if you've got any animals, any weird things, we don't want pictures of your weird animals at home. We know they're weird. We want yeah. stuff that no one knows about. We know that your wife is weird. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of email us there. You can also uh, check us out on our website, autopicpodcast.com. Uh, we do post some stuff on there and it also links to all our social media platforms anyway. And don't forget about the competition. Also, we are going to be running a competition. It should already be live from last episode. We are giving away two Sure USB mini microphones so that two of you can start your podcasting or streaming journey journeys. We're not going to kind of restrict you. And then to a third person, we're going to give away some pretty cool swag. So go to our social media, go find the post and do the things. Also check the website. It'll be all over the website. Everywhere. So until next time, guys, stay fresh. Stay freaky. Bye. Bye.